Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast, where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. I'm Ace Edwards, right alongside Connor Baltazor. And today, we're just going to be recapping the Cats' 38-17 to victory. Was it 38 or 31? 38. Okay, 38-17 victory over the Nevada Wolfpack, a game that we were not favored to win. But before we get into, you know, general game day recap and game day grades, we don't want to sound narcissistic here, but there are a few things that we called during the game. But none that we are more proud of than, especially Connor. Connor can take the most pride in this, literally calling his shot for Will Howard to have an excellent game. And that he did. Even though he was not asked to pass a whole lot, he made throws exactly when he needed to, including a check at the line to, on the second play of the game to Daniel E. Matsward-Bebe, in which Bebe scored a touchdown, as well as Will Howard's three touchdowns on the ground. We were telling people, don't worry about Will Howard, he'll be fine, just support him. And after a little bit of apprehension on the half of the student section at least, they very quickly moved to embrace Will Howard, and Will Howard, in turn, embraced them. Yes. Uh, I definitely took a bit of a risk uh, <laughs> calling out Will Howard as the offensive MVP, but in any Sands-Deuce offensive MVP world, he seemed like the, the easy pick. And also, I just had faith that after a week of practice, he would be up to snuff. And with a game plan designed around his strengths and weaknesses, then I think that we would have a really good game. And he did have a really good game. Uh, he, like you said, wasn't asked to pass much, but he didn't have, I don't think, a single turnover-worthy throw. Um, he really only had one throw that was significantly off-target, and that was the one to Lenners. And Lenners may not have been on the right shoulder there. I think he any made, other tight end other than Nick Lenners makes that catch. I think you're right, because Lenners is... No one's accused him of being agile. And uh, he's an excellent blocker, but he's not much of a receiving threat. And, like, Wheeler or Matter Baby, I think they probably make that catch. Uh, even someone like Connor Fox or Will Swanson. But Howard, he had a great game. He was really efficient. Uh, had three total touchdowns, one passing, uh, two rushing. He was... Really excellent. I mean, we can kind of hang our hat, I guess, on that a little bit. I don't want to talk about it too much, just because nobody likes to listen to people be like, I told you so. Nobody cares! Even though we're kind of doing that. (laughs) (laughs) But, but yeah, Howard had a great day. I'm happy he had a really good day, because I I really wanted him to succeed. And the student section got behind him. I mean, they were chanting his name uh, many times throughout the game. (laughs) And many different nicknames. Yes, uh, several nicknames were thrown out, uh, not... About most of which we will not be sharing. <laughs> <laughs> if you listened closely and were at the game, you would hear them. If you were at the game, you'd know what was going on. But, yeah, I'm really happy for Will. He he deserved a game like this, I think. Absolutely. And then after the game, to prove how much of a class act Will Howard is, the fan base that has been against him a lot of the ways, after the game, he said, to the camera, I said, the best fans in the country. 
Will Howard is a class act, if not anything else. One week ago, he was being booed by his own student section, and a week later, he was calling those people the best fans in the country. I don't know if I would have the heart to do that. Yeah, yeah, he is a special kid, so... Yeah, I call him a kid. He's, like, two years younger than me. (laughs) He's just one year than me, but... Yeah, so now we can get into the general game day recap, which basically comes down to K-State, for the first three quarters, played close with Nevada, and then pulled away very quickly. Like we said, the passing game, it wasn't asked to happen much, even when, for some some reason, I guess just to give him game experience, Jaron Lewis came in and basically handled the majority of the second quarter. Will Howard was back in for quarters three and four. I, I was just curious to hear your thoughts on that, because I'm very opinionated on this yeah. subject. The explanation that Kleiman seemed to give in the uh, um, post-game press conference was that it was planned the whole week that they would um, be sharing time to some degree, not equally, but Lewis would get um, some snaps. And I get the, uh, the line of thinking... Uh, I get that they were like, we need Lewis to get some game experience because we don't want another situation where we're throwing a young quarterback to the fire if a guy gets hurt. I mean, they they saw how it went last year at times, and they just wanted to get some experience, just see some live defense, see this guy's coverages, things that he hadn't seen before. I get it. Um, With that being said, it was a very strange time to elect to do that when the game was tied early-ish in the game. And... It worked fine. Uh, we um, took a lead in a halftime. We were up by 10. Uh, the running game was clicking. Lewis was not asked to pass very much. Um, he completed a couple very short throws. He had one that he kind of airmailed and then a questionable check down to Brooks that was broken up. Yeah, he both of his completions were screenplays. Yeah, so Lewis didn't really do a whole lot. Um, he ended the ball off well. <laughs> Good skill, elite trait. Credit where credit is due. Um, But Lewis, he didn't do anything actively detrimental. He got 10 points in the second quarter, so can't complain there. It was just a really odd choice, I think, to pick that time out of any to do it. But we ended up winning. We did fine. So, I don't know. I, I don't love it, but I won't complain about it too much given the result of the game. I think the results of the game will keep people from complaining about it, except for me. Yes. I understand why you did it. I understand why the coaching staff wanted to do it. I still believe that there was an absolutely asinine choice to take out Will Howard, even if that was the plan for the week, because you don't know what Will Howard is going to be like basically coming off of the bench cold. Again. Because Will Howard has had a history of coming off the bench, with very mixed results. And even if he's getting benched for a temporary time to get someone else playing experience, I don't like that decision. It worked out, but I still don't like that decision. Yeah, that's basically where I'm at. I think I'm a little bit less actively disapproving of it, although I do generally disapprove of it. I think we're on the same page. I think you're a little bit further down on it than I am, though. But yeah, it was, at minimum, a odd choice i think especially because will had had an okay first quarter i thought especially the first drive um he had looked confident 
Uh, he was stepping into his throws. He looked he looked good. And then uh, we just kind of took him out out of absolutely nowhere. We thought he was hurt. Yeah, that was what Ace and I were speculating. That maybe he like hurt his hand or something like that. But no, it was just planned. And again, like he already knew that was happening, so there probably wasn't any shot to his confidence or anything because that was planned. So, so it's good on the coaching staff there, I guess, for at least making sure they communicated that well. But I question the choice still, but I will let it be because I don't anticipate this being a weekly thing. Yeah, I hope not. Yeah, we cannot afford to do that in Stillwater. <laughs> yeah. Another big part of our offense was the running game, as it seems to be nearly every week, but it wasn't just Deuce this time. It was Will Howard carrying the ball a significant amount, Deuce Vaughn, and Joe Irvin all contributing on the ground today, which really matches well with the Nevada, say it with me now, porous run, run defense. defense. <laughs> so I mean, they, they were porous. <laughs> they were indeed porous. Got to the point towards the end of the game where they just looked like they didn't want to play anymore. Yeah, it was it was pretty hilarious at times, just like how easily the offensive line was opening up running lanes for Deuce and Joe and Will. I mean, there were times where they were running through lanes wider than like their average yards per carry. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, like it was hilarious to see. We knew Nevada's defensive line was not particularly great. Like. Will Howard did not get sacked a single time, nor did Jaron Lewis. They got pressured maybe a couple times, and it was on blitzes both times. And I don't know. They just did not defend the run well. We expected that. It was even worse than I thought it would be, honestly. But <laughs> The turning point was Nevada trying to use the money gun to shoot the money at the, the student section and then proceeding to get exposed for the rest of the game, yep. prompting the where's the money chance. Yeah, yeah, they had the money gun. And once they used it, they... They, uh, they did nothing the rest of yeah, the Yeah, they went on to give up 21 unanswered points in the fourth quarter after that. So, <laughs> <laughs> Who really won that exchange? Yes, I, I think we did. Um, 81 for Nevada. He, unfortunately, was the... <laughs> the, <laughs> the moron. Yeah, yeah, he was the one that I was the, the point of torment for the student section. There was a lot of student section interaction with the Nevada bench yesterday. <laughs> Including with Jay Norvell. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Norvell almost... I think he might have actually punched a coach. I, I didn't see it. I believe it. He was angry. <laughs> like, he was very upset. Jay Norvell, mad. Yeah, very angry. But, so that that pretty much wraps up on the offensive side of the ball. Tight ends were fine. They are fine, yeah. Wide receivers didn't do much because they weren't no. asked to do much. Yeah, we just weren't throwing the ball a whole lot. So, you know, it was okay. Yep. Then on the defensive side of the ball, the only thing that I walked away somewhat disappointed with was our sack numbers. Yeah. And that's because the Nevada offensive line we saw as a perceived weakness going into this game, which I think is the reason why we consistently just sent three on defense because we expected it to get home. Unfortunately for us, that three-man rush was not getting home as quickly as we'd like, which just gave the receivers time. But... If asked to give to get separation in any quick fashion, their receivers were not doing a very good job of it. Especially Cole Turner on Reggie Stubblefield. That was a very hilarious matchup to watch the entire game because Cole Turner was just trying to big boy Reggie Stubblefield 
and he was not he did not realize that he was going up against Stubby the Sauce Boss, who refuses to be bodied in any situation. <laughs> Yes, uh, many people have made the mistake of going up against uh, the legend himself, the sauce boss, Reginald Stubblefield, and very few, if any, have lived to tell the tale, and that includes uh, Mr. Cole Turner. Uh, Stubby had a great pass breakup uh, that did not count because of a penalty. I mean, he... I don't know why people keep trying that seam route when it's Stubby in coverage, because he's... not working. Because he has literally, every time it's been thrown at him, he has broken it up. Every single time. It's hilarious to watch. Like they they try it once or twice per game so far, and he every time he breaks it up. Yeah, you have two options with K State defense and seam routes. It's Ryan Hennington in coverage, in which case it is a completion, or it is Reggie Stubblefield in coverage, in which case he will make a diving PBU and make you look stupid. Basically, yeah. But yeah, Reggie. He once again he just proved what a great addition he was for the staff. And I'm glad that we worked so hard to uh, get him at here academically uh, just because his transcripts were all weird, allegedly. But, yeah, he's been super impactful, not just on the field. It seems like he's had a big culture impact, too. He has some hilarious quotes after the game. <laughs> we started disguising our looks because Carson Strong isn't good at reading defenses. Yep. First round pick, by the way. <laughs> yeah, Stubby and post-game interviews... He was uh, talking to the press, and they were talking about, I think prep- I think the context was like preparation yep. for facing Carson Strong. And he's like, yeah, I know Strong's a good quarterback. They're a good offense. But the main thing that we did was like disguise our pass coverages because we were watching film, and we realized that Carson Strong can't read defenses. And this is the guy that was a projected number one overall pick <laughs> earlier that week. And they... <laughs> I can imagine how funny they thought it was when they saw that. And they were also like, he literally can't read defenses. <laughs> That's just a legendary call on behalf of Reggie. He just, oh, I love him. Reggie's awesome. He brings a level of swagger to the defensive locker room that has not been there for a while, I think. And I don't know if it's a coincidence that uh, Reggie's uh, arrival coincided with the return of uh, the mob defense and just like a heightened level of, I don't know, swag beyond the defense. Like yeah. they just carry themselves with more confidence right now. Yeah. Like they know that they're good and they carry themselves really well. Yeah. Last thing that I want to go over with the general game day recap is Carson Strong, majority, not the majority, but a good portion of his yards came in garbage time and he also had an atrocious pick. To T. Denson on a relatively clean pocket. That was really bad on a rewatch. It was like not good in person. We were like, wow, that was a bad pick. But we rewatched it, it was way worse than I thought. <laughs> yep. Because Strong, like two of our three pass rushers on that down were literally on, on the ground. They were literally laying down on the turf because one of them slipped and the other one uh, got double teamed and was just pushed down. And the remaining guy just like wasn't quite able to get there so strong had no one within like several yards of him and he was poised he stepped into the throw and he just overthrew it and it was on right to denson it was just denson literally just looked like i guess i have this okay like i'll take it but yeah that was was a bad throw for uh carson strong and i don't know especially he really struggled in that first half 
Like, he was a little better in the second half. He had some solid throws, and he led a couple of good drives. But, wow, he he was really tough in that first half. Right. So that goes over the, the general game day recap. Now let's get into the game day grades, where we go through every single position group and the coordinators and give them a grade from F to A+. Plus. F, F meaning you basically lost us the game, we're very close to it. A plus meaning that you literally won the game. So let's start off with the quarterback position that everyone was so worried about going into this week. I have Will Howard, and I guess by extension, Jaron Lewis. I give them a B for this week. Because while they weren't asked to do much in the air, they both were at least willing to take care of the football and Will Howard had a lot of contributions on the ground, as well as making some decent throws. He didn't do anything particularly insane or anything particularly special, but he was exactly the quarterback that K-State needed in order to win this game. So he gets a B from me. I gave a B as well. Um, I I think I totally agree. This is something that we talked about a lot on our game preview was we don't need Will to be spectacular. We'd like that, but we don't need it. What we needed was him to have a game where he does not put the ball in jeopardy, and he just runs the offense and plays within himself and does what he knows he can do, plays with confidence. And he did exactly that, and that's not enough for an A grade, obviously. like He, he gets a B. I would honestly give him a B plus, but i bring it down to a B just because of the Jaron Lewis quarter because – he just wasn't particularly impressive. Jaron was. He probably gets like a C minus or D plus, he, which isn't really his fault. He just didn't really do anything. Yeah. But at the quarterback position as a whole, gets a B from me. Yeah. Then running backs, I, I don't feel like I need to spend too much time here. They get an A, very close to getting an A plus. The only thing that could have given them an A plus was probably just one more touchdown or breaking one more big run. But even then, that's splitting hairs. You, I could be easily convinced to give them an A-plus here. But for me, the grade they get is an A due to Deuce Vaughn and Joe Irvin's contributions on the ground. Joe Irvin being the more powerful of the two backs, which I guess everyone sort of expected. And Deuce Vaughn, it's a hilarious play where he literally just causes two tacklers to, def- to tackle themselves and then proceeds to just keep running, which is probably my favorite play on the day. Yeah, they get an A for me. Yeah, I got an A as well. Basically, same thing for me. Um, I was very close to giving an A+, plus, but I held off just because they could have done just slightly more. I would have liked to see Jacardier uh, get a couple carries as well. Um, but Deuce had an excellent Deuce Vaughn day. I'm not much to add to that. He was he played like we expect him to and got the job done. Joe Irvin, he had the best game of his career and uh, just really showed out. He had 11 carries for 82 yards and a touchdown. I mean, uh, you can't ask for much more than that from your spellback. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they get an A for me. Excellent day for the running back room, per usual. Per usual. I don't think they've received below an A-, minus, have they? I don't think they have. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't think they will. Not at this rate. Yeah, I, I think there's a very slim chance that the running back room does worse than an A- minus at this point. Yeah. Then wide receivers, I give them a C plus. Again, this is another week where they didn't get a whole lot of opportunities to show out. 
But the few times that they were able to show out was Philip Brooks on a couple of screen passes, which he did reasonably well on, Malik Knowles on a jet sweep, and Cade Warner, I'm not even going to call it a drop because he kind of got rocked that play. Yeah. So I give them a C plus. They were well, they were able to create a tiny bit of separation, but it didn't really matter because the passing game was not the priority this week. Yeah, basically the same for me. I give him a C. Um, that's not really the receiver's fault. We just weren't throwing the ball a ton. Uh, they were good um, when they need to be. Like Knowles had a jet sweep for a crucial first down. Um, Brooks had five receptions. Uh, he was very consistent in the screen game. Um, and that was it, really, for receivers. None other recorded any statistics. Uh, Cade Warner almost had a circus catch until he almost died. And, yeah. But, yeah, they uh, they, were, they were fine. Um, not asked to do much because, I mean, when Deuce is getting 23 carries and Joe is getting 11 and Howard's getting 12, you're not going to throw the ball very much. So... C, but not a bad C, just a C. Yeah. And then tight ends and fullbacks, I actually ended up giving them a B because they were actually pretty good in the blocking game, even the ones that aren't traditionally like the greatest blockers, as well as Wheeler and Bebe getting two pretty big catches from Will Howard. Uh, Wheeler, the one where Howard was rolling out to his backside, and then just finding him right at the sticks to convert. So they get a B from me. They didn't do anything ridiculously spectacular except for that one play to Bebe. But just one big play is not something that gets you above a B. They contributed to the win, but they were not the reason we did win. Yeah. Um, I gave them a B-. Uh, Bebe had the excellent play that just blew the lid off of the stadium down really early in the game uh we were like sitting there in the student section or like tr- championing will that we really needed because everyone around us hated him yep. we ended up converting like half of the, the people we talked to yeah a lot of that had to do with the fact that we were championing him and then he just happened to have his big play on the second play of the game yeah. <laughs> so that that was really good um um wheeler he had the reception on what was arguably Will's best throw of the day, I think, uh, where he had just had really good pocket presence, rolled out, and then on the run, uh, hit Wheeler right uh, in his hands. It was really nice throw from Will. Uh, then Ben Sinnott, uh, he had the 11-yard reception was out of absolutely nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you had Ben Sinnott getting a reception today... No, you didn't. No, you didn't, but <laughs> good on you if you did. Yeah, if you did, I mean major props but <laughs> i just don't believe you <laughs> i don't believe i think you're lying but if you did but yeah. On you. yeah they blocked well um wheeler had some nice ceiling blocks on a few jet sweeps and uh screen passes that i noticed uh Bebe, he was he didn't do anything noticeably bad um i give him b minus just because of the Leonard's play i'm a little sad because i'm just if we had sent Bebe or wheeler on that route instead that's probably a catch and probably a touchdown. Yes. But that's not necessarily entirely the player's fault. I mean, they don't get to pick the personnel. Yeah. But on a B-minus day for them. Yeah. And the offensive line, I think, is the most improved, well, second most improved group from last week. 
They were able to pick up the blitzes a lot better than I thought they would be able to, even on running and passing plays. And there was no one play where the offensive line got exposed and had there a lot of good plays in their own right. Excuse me. So I actually ended up giving them an A minus. Yeah, I also gave them an A minus. I will admit, I somehow forgot to put them until just now, but I typed it in, and then three seconds later, you said A minus. I'm being one hundred percent serious. I promise, I'm not copying your grade. But are you copying me? I'm not copying you. And but yeah, the offensive line, they. I think they had as a unit their best day. Like I think there's been better individual performances, like Revis in game one. Uh, he was excellent in that game. But as a unit, I think they had their best game of the season yesterday. They were just open. They were just parting the Red Sea in the run game. Uh, pass protection. Uh, they didn't give up a single sack and very few pressures. Uh, they did. They protected Will like they needed to, even with uh, a lot of blitzing, uh, which was very impressive for me. And, and then when Revis went down, KT Levison came in and just destroyed <laughs> some defensive linemen. That poor man. Yeah, poor guy. But, yeah, they they were they were a really good unit uh, this weekend. I was very impressed with them. Yeah. Which, fun fact, by the way, literally every single group improved from last week in terms of their grading. At least on mine, because I'm keeping track of previous weeks as well. Yeah, I've got my previous week notes um yeah i almost everybody improves for me except for d-line i meant on the offense oh the offense oh uh i think they do for me as well then let me look uh running backs stay the same and uh everybody else did okay well now that you've now that we've somewhat smoothly transitioned to defense first group is the defensive line who I ended up giving a B for this performance. And the only reason it is a B is because they were not generating as much pressure as I believe they should have. And it's not the question of they weren't getting any pressure at all. That's not what I'm saying. They should have gotten more, given the problems that Nevada's offensive line has had. Now, granted, that could be because they are sending three but we've gotten home against with three against much better offensive lines than Nevada's. So, and they were okay against the run, but that's not really my main consideration because in my humble opinion, the number one thing that you need to do to be good against the run is to be big and care. So, yeah. <laughs> that that's not really a big consideration for me. I consider pass rush a lot more and the pass rush while not completely absent, was not there as much as it should be. So they get a B from me. I gave them B as well. Um, they did solid um, in some areas. Um, ESPN stats, they track uh, quarterback hurries. There were three QB hurries from the D-line. Uh, Spencer Trestle, Bronson Massey, and Eli Huggins all had one. But the D-line only had one sack today, uh, despite the team having three uh, Nate Matlick had a sack, and that was the last play that was of the, the game. Last play of the game. Uh, I mean, it was so good, but it was just it took a while to get there. And they played well. Um, they just weren't as absolutely dominant as they have been. Timmy Horn had another great day, uh, just being Timmy Horn, doing Timmy Horn things. Um, can't really ask for much more. He had another day where he had one tackle, but he just is that's his stat line every week is one tackle and just utter chaos on the interior offensive line for 
that, that he's causing at least. So D-line, they get a B, admirable performance. Uh, probably their worst performance on the year by default, mm-hmm. but it was still a good performance. Yeah. Then we move into the linebacking room, which I thought was not the most impressive unit on the day, which spoils the take for who gets the highest grade. But they had themselves a pretty consistently good day, even in coverage against someone who's notorious for taking advantage of the underside of the defense, as well as Daniel Green recording a number of tackles in big moments when we needed them. It seemed like whenever we needed the linebackers to come up with a big play, they were right there. But there were still a few moments where I would like them to be tighter in coverage, so therefore, for me, they get a B plus. Yeah, it's a good grade. I give them a B. Um, a B. B. Yeah, I may or may not have lost my voice a little bit. Just a little. I'm fine. I have a durable voice. I do not. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, Daniel Green, um, he had an excellent day solo. He had a sack, nine tackles, uh, quarterback hurry. Um, but I mean, he's been unbelievable the entire season, but it kind of drops off from there. Fletcher only had three tackles, uh, then, uh, Nick Allen, he had a tackle and you know, they, they were fine. Uh, they weren't as good in coverage as I would have liked. They were giving up a a lot of very open spacing plays, which is like, there's not a lot that they can do about that. Yeah. But it, I don't know. There, there were, I would have liked to see more plays made in pass coverage, like you said, but they still played admirably. They did nowhere. They did not even come close to costing the game for the team or anything like that. Daniel Green had another excellent day. He has been just excellent this whole year. So yeah, it'd be for me. Yeah. And finally, the most impressive room on the field to me, for just how well they were able to contain this passing attack with first round. First. Number one overall pick. Yeah, number one overall pick. First round receiver. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, that's, that's not a take I'm getting over anytime soon. But they did an excellent job on the outside. The only plays where I can truly think of where they got beat in the traditional sense was that deep slant route that gave them a touchdown. Everything else was just basically them getting timinged to death, which as a defensive back is very difficult to deal with. And there's no real way around it. Every time that they were in a decent position to make a play, which a lot of times they were, they were there to make the play, especially tackling underneath. There were very few lapses in tackling underneath balls, which I thought was going to be something we may have struggled with. Yeah. I didn't voice it, but I thought that might be a point of contention. And yet, it wasn't a big problem for us. That being said, I still think that there are times that they could have played a bit tighter coverage because there were a couple of people streaking open, including that one deep ball which should have been called back for a hole on the offensive line but that one deep ball that split i think it was yeast and tj smith yeah yeah that that that's a that's a big no-no for me but other than that they didn't really have any atrocious plays so i gave them an a minus yeah i gave them an a minus as well um i was very impressed 
with how they were able to contain Carson Strong. He ended up with 262 passing yards, but... Oh, 60 of those were in the garbage time. Yeah, 60 of those were in the last two drives when K-State was up by two scores at that point, I believe. And so they basically held them to about 210, which is still the most that they've given up all year, but considering that he's supposed to be, you know, the alleged number one pick, I'll take it, especially with... Uh, how lethal that passing attack is supposed to be. Um, but it wasn't just in a pass coverage. They were good. Uh, Reggie Stubblefield, he had a sack. Uh, he, Stubblefield's just been excellent so, thus far. Ross Elder had maybe his best game as a K-State Wildcat. Ross Elder, PBU. Yep. Ross he, Elder, PBU. Yeah, after that um, big play that was given up uh, that we just mentioned, the very first play they tested Ross Elder uh, as they should on the sideline, and he just broke it up like it was nothing. I was like, wow. I yeah, easy work that. for Ross Elder. Hmm. Easy work for Ross Elder. Oh, yeah, that was, yeah, that was light work. So, yeah, I was like, impressed with that. Jerron had a quiet day for his standards. He had three tackles, one of them for loss. Uh, he was fine. Uh, Sincere Mason, a big hit at one point. Uh, we haven't seen a ton of him, but he's been good. Uh, Amaris Brown, he had that big hit on uh, the first kickoff. Uh, to set him back at like the ten yard line, <laughs> where, where Zentner started yelling at the returner. I'm, I love Zentner on kickoff coverage because he doesn't actually do anything, but he still. Whenever someone gets blown up, he just goes and yells at them anyway. Like he just kicked the ball. That's it. But I I like how he carries himself. But yeah, as a whole, not a lot of lapses today for uh, the uh, the K State secondary. Uh, Echo Boyd had two tackles. Julius Brands had one. Uh, so that goes to show that not a lot of the uh, passing was being done on them directly. Brents gave up the uh, slant touchdown uh, to tie the game at 17, but there was not much he could do there, I think. He played it very tight. It was just a really good throw by Which Strong. Just, that just keeps happening to Brents, and it's really unfortunate. Yeah, it's, it's making Brents look a lot worse than he is, but, I mean, he's just, they're, for some reason, all the perfect throws are happening against him, and they have to be perfect against him because he's just right there every time. So, but yeah, A- for me on the secondary. Now we get to talk about the coordinators, which I'm feeling is either going to be people's least favorite, or or consistently, I should say, which is people's consistently favorite or least favorite segment of every post-game show. So we got to talk about Messingham. He didn't do horribly... He didn't do anything great. He could have done better. Yeah. He gets a C from me. I think that's totally fair. So, there are a lot of Messingham truthers out there. And I don't I don't want to try... I want to try and avoid stepping on as many toes as possible here. Because believe me, when we lose in like 2026, because that's the next time we're losing... There no. will be the time that we have to have the talk about Courtney Messingham. The day of reckoning will come. The day of reckoning. But I will just leave it at this. Courtney Messingham, to me, is one of the most milk toast and least creative offensive coordinators in college football. And I think that that is to the detriment of his players. That being said, this does not mean that I don't think he is capable of calling a good game because he called an okay game today and did not cost us anything. 
But also remember that the biggest play of the day was not called by Courtney Messingham. It was called by Will Howard. Do with that information what you will. Yep. I gave Mess a C um, as well. I thought that he had a, a okay game as well. Uh, I think the game plan was uh, basically just run them until they're tired. And that's exactly what we did, and it worked in the fourth quarter once again. We uh, were more fresh than the other team, and we just uh, were able to just run it down their throats there to end the game. That's generally Mess's strategy. Uh, he's pretty good at playing with leads, at least uh, he has been this year. Yeah, and I think Colin Klein, I think it's Colin Klein that sits next to him, so every time Messingham is calling a play, Klein's in his ears like, hey, can you call QB run? Yeah, let's call it QB power here. <laughs> we've called QB power five games. We've called it five drives in a row. Okay. And? And? <laughs> can you call QB power again? But yeah, Fine. <laughs> yeah, mess. He, uh, like you said, the best play of the day, uh, which was the second play, or the biggest play of the day, uh, the pass to Amatur Bebe for the long touchdown. Uh, that was a route that Will Howard uh, changed uh, in the huddle uh, because I believe on that play that's supposed to be like a flat or something for Amatur Bebe. And Howard said, no, you're just going to you're gonna run a streak. <laughs> and, he, and you got a touchdown out of it. So that's excellent uh, reading of the defense by Will. I really like that. And, you know, Mess can take some credit for that. Like, Mess is probably talking to Will almost as much as any coach is. That's what I'm saying. Am I wrong? I think that you may be giving Mess a little bit more credit than... I said for, he, I said he gets a little. Play. I said he gets a little for developing Howard. Okay. I didn't yeah. say he made the read because okay. he did not. Okay, I mess gets I, I'm a well, smidgen of credit there. Okay, I'll concede that point. Yeah, he gets a smidgen. I, I, I'm just trying to be fair to mess. Maybe too fair, but yeah, mess. He like you said, he's milk toast. Like he doesn't do much creative. The most creative thing he does is jet motion. He does that twenty times a game. <laughs> and, it's the one like, thing he learned over like thirty yep. years of coaching. Yep. Granted, he's. Uh, generally pretty good at setting things up and he knows what he can do with the players he has and we ran the ball a lot and he knows that we're going to be good at that and he knows that will who has potential and can throw good passes isn't quite ready to just shoulder an entire offense by himself and so he gets credit for the game plan there but nevertheless it wasn't a crazy good game there were situations that i was like why are we running on third and long again? Like, it worked once against Stanford. Yeah, Messingham has a problem with surrendering on a lot of drives. Yeah. Which you can do, and it's fine to do it occasionally. He does it but, too often. But whenever it gets to third and long, and the only thing I'm thinking of is, oh God, is Mess going to call like a draw play or an inside zone? And then nine out of ten times, I'm right. That's a problem. Right. Yeah. Mess, he's... I don't know, he's mess. Like, he'll have his great games. He'll have his bad games. Most of the time, he's just going to be, as as we have come to start saying here in the last few days, aggressively okay. Yeah, he's aggressively <laughs> okay. Like, you know, not a, nothing to write home on, generally. Sometimes frustrating. Other times, 
you're like, oh, that's surprising. Yeah. <laughs> he gets a C. That's a long-winded way of saying yeah. he was all right. Long way of saying he was all right. And now we get to go into the coordinator who, while I believe he had his weakest game of the season, still had an excellent game. Yeah. Joe Kleinerman had his worst game of the season, and he still gets a B plus for how he was disguising everything and sending pressure at angles that were unexpected and still making play calls where coverage was all right, except in the short game. And that's why he doesn't get an A or an A- minus for me. That's because we only stopped the Wildcat play once. And a lot of the short underneath stuff was still a bit more open than I would like. And I do kind of chalk that up to coaching and defensive play calling. And, but other than that, if that's the only thing I'm complaining about, and it didn't even come close to costing us the game, and we only gave up 17 points to an alleged first overall pick. I'm happy. That's pretty good. I'm happy with today. Klanderman has been just on fire this year. I gave him an A-. minus. I thought about giving him a B+, plus, but I was like, I'm just going to give him an A-, minus because he has so much built-up goodwill with me. That I'm like, I'll give him the bump so he can continue to... Uh, just like have a streak of a grades from me like like even if like maybe slightly closer to a b plus in actuality like this defense has been performing at such a high level this year that like i'll give him the benefit of the doubt like the defensive game plan was really good uh the d line didn't get as much pressure although at some point they have to perform and you can't put all of that on Kleinerman because we didn't change up the scheme too much they just weren't getting around the tackles like they should have generally but he switched that up, though, by bringing pressure because two of the three sacks that we had today weren't from defensive linemen. So, but, yeah, our coverage was good. We had guys in the right place at the right time quite often. Uh, yeast late in the game to knock that ball out of Cole Turner's hands on what would have been an incredible catch, but he ended up knocking that away. Um, T. Denson, right place, right time for the interception. Just all around, Kleinerman has been legit this year i i think i'm officially now most worried about clanderman being hired away instead of connor riley yeah like, i that that is genuinely terrifying to me which like granted hazelton got hired away and we just had clanderman waiting in the wings so maybe i don't know who we have on staff though that's that next guy up skylar thompson moves to defensive coordinator that would be interesting <laughs> <laughs> that would be quite the jump i'm thinking i don't know probably be either Van or Buddy Wyatt, maybe? It's it, not It's not going to be Tui. It'd probably be Buddy, but... Maybe Stannard? It'd be Buddy, I would guess. Buddy's, Buddy would be my pick. Buddy or Van? Van Van may not want to, because he likes that assistant coach role, I yeah. think. I don't know. Anyway, neither here nor there. Yeah, that's that's yeah way off base. But, yeah, A- for me, Uncle Anderman. A.K.A. Killer Man. Killer Man. Assassinating, yeah, assassinating offenses one by one. <laughs> so now let's get into the MVPs before we get into the general player standouts. For me, I gotta say it. I gotta give credit where credit's due. You may have had the first correct prediction for offensive MVP. My offensive MVP goes to Big Willie Howard. Bill the Butcher, Will Power, 
Wheelie, Howie, whatever you want to call him. Will Howard is my offensive MVP. He's mine too. Uh, I, I picked oh, him. No, the forums are angry at us again. Oh yeah, probably. The <laughs> William Howard. He. Uh, I picked him. I put my faith in him. And I trusted that man, and it paid off. We trusted Will Howard when no one else would. They call they us called mad us madmen. Now look at us. <laughs> yeah, Will is my offensive MVP. Uh, and this is not including Deuce, I believe, as well. No, I'm including Deuce. Oh, well, dang. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I think Will gets it even with Deuce. Deuce had a great game again, but Will had three touchdowns, 21 points. That was the difference. 21 points. So, Will is the option there. He had the great call at the beginning of the game to uh, get the hot route on the Matter Bebe. Uh, he had two rushing touchdowns to put the game out of reach in the fourth quarter. Uh, he looked completely different than he did against Southern Illinois. That was, that was just all we said was be patient, give him a week, and then he led us to the promised land against Don't school. Don't scream at him for no reason. Yes. <laughs> Don't boo him. And lo and behold, he did well. It paid dividends. Yeah, Will Howard, offensive MVP. Yeah, Will Heisman. Will Heisman moment. Howard, here's a Heisman. Anyway, so defensively... <laughs> I'm not, as much as I want to give it to Stubby, and I think you could make an argument for Stubby with one really big PBU, a sack, and all the swagger on God's green earth. I, I feel like they're, the only argument that you could really make is for Daniel Green, just because of how impactful he's been. The, the difference, we've talked about it before, the difference between Daniel Green being on and off the field is genuinely night and day for this defense. And he was able to record a few stats as well as a couple of big tackles in big moments. And he was probably the best linebacker in coverage throughout the entire day. So no disrespect to Stubby, but Daniel Green is my pick for defensive MVP. Yeah, Daniel Green's mine as well. Uh, I think it's obvious like he's been the difference I think on the defense amongst a, a a unit of difference makers green may be the biggest cuz this season defensively was really riding on the linebackers figuring it out and green we were like we need to find two to three guys that will figure it out and green figured it out enough for three people <laughs> <laughs> and then Fletcher figured it out too anyways so Green has been unbelievable. He's so athletic. He's he's absolutely everywhere on the field at all times. He led the team in tackles with nine. The next closest was four. <laughs> that says a lot right there. He had a sack. Um, I mean, it's just a totally different unit when he's on the field. He's just, he's unbelievable. I love him. He's easy MVP pick for me. I'm really tempted, though, with Stubby as well, just because I love him. I love Stubby so much, but... One week stuff, yeah. you will get it. But Dan, yeah, Dan, he, oh, he will eventually. Don't like believe it. But OU game. That would be nice. <laughs> Picks off Rattler four times. Rattler cries on the bench. <laughs> he seems a little rattled. Rattler. He we, seems we rattled. Rattler. But yeah, easy MVP for Green. He's been excellent this year and and this past game. Yeah. Let's keep the the players standout short. The other standouts to me were. The entire secondary. Echo still being Echo, despite what some people are saying. He is still 
Echo Boydo. He's still quietly one of the best corners in the nation. Yep. Um, defensive line, no one really stands out. So mostly it's just Daniel Green and the linebackers. Shout out to T. Denson for that big interception. T.J. Smith had a quieter day than we're used to, but I would chalk that more up to just being part of the game plan. Yep. That's what I got. Oh, that was it for you? Yeah, okay. that's all I got. Um, standouts to me, uh, Joe Irvin uh, was a big standout. Uh, the offensive line as a whole, they were really good specifically at like KT Leviston. He had a great day uh, filling in for Revis. Um, Daniel Green, I mean, I guess I can't really count him. He was an MVP. Yeah. Uh, but then, but yeah, like you said, uh, secondary as a whole, once again, just so good. Echo was excellent. Uh, Rusty East had some big plays. Uh, T. Denson with a big interception. Um, yeah, and then a match baby with the, uh, the long reception as well. Now we get to go into our takeaways. And you want to do uh, you want to do offense, now do defense, or do you want to do it the other way around? Um, I'll do offense. Okay. Um, you want to go first, then? Yeah. Okay. With offense, one of my big takeaways is that uh, this team can win with Will Howard still, even against good teams. I know there's so much doubt around it, but I don't know, just keep the faith and look what happened. I mean, like, Will is a Division One Power 5 quarterback, and he showed that today. He didn't really have any turnover-worthy plays, unless you count that Cade Warner play, which was, I don't even think that would have ended up really being Will's fault anyways. Debatably. It's like 50-50. Uh, debatably. But, but still, if that's his only turn for worthy play, that's a really great performance from him. And then uh, the running game, still unstoppable, I would say. I mean, the only team that's going to beat it is like a Bama that stacks the box. <laughs> <laughs> and... Even then, I don't know, we can just get a team of KT Levistons to just bowl people over. Um, can we just clone Cooper BB and just put him on each spot of the line? I would really like that. Well, there is a Cooper BB clone. We just got to get him to come here. Camden. <laughs> Camden. The defensive takeaways for me are the D-line is human. After two consecutive weeks of just unreal performances by nearly every member of the defensive line, this was the first day that I've seen that they've looked like a unit that can be beat. And that's concerning given how not good Nevada's offensive line is. And I will stick by that take. Their offensive line is not good. They're just kind of big. And yeah, the defensive line is human, but that doesn't mean that the other units cannot compensate for them. The linebackers were better than expected in pass coverage, and the DBs are exactly what we think they are. So, even so, I guess the number one takeaway is if one unit on this defense is faltering, the other units can easily pick them up, which I think is the most important thing for a defense to be able to do. It's much better to have a bunch of units that can pick each other up and elevate each other than it is to have one dominant unit, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh... I like that takeaway. But yeah, the D-line being human, that's the saddest takeaway about this game, I think. But I think we kind of saw it coming, especially after something that we haven't touched on uh, at all. I just realized a Klee Duke getting hurt in this game. Totally forgot to bring that up. But Also forgot to mention they're ranked top 25. I was saving that for the outro. 
Oh, right. All right, well, you can save that for the outro then, I guess. <laughs> but, yeah. Do you like being human? Sad, but... Yeah, that was going to happen at some point or another. Yeah. Just sad it was against this unit. I really wanted them to have a big day. Mm. But at least we counterbalanced it with the offensive line just deleting... People. <laughs> yeah, just deleting the existence of the defensive line. So that pretty well wraps up our post-game for the Nevada Wolfpack. A great performance all around for the Cats and a great team victory. One that you can credit to both the offense and the defense equally. And for that reason, the AP poll has put us at number 25 in the top 25 poll. The next week, we go ahead and play the Oklahoma State Cowboys, which, not to spoil my take on the preview episode because I still want people to listen to the preview episode. We've watched every single game they've played. We still don't know how good Oklahoma State is. It is truly a mystery because they are just so inconsistent and they just play it just seems well they just play everybody close. It seems like thus far has been their their uh modus operandi. Yeah, yeah, that's been it. And uh we can't really take anything from that because they played Boise State on the road close, but they also played Missouri State at home close. So yeah, can't really draw much from that. But um, I guess we'll see with uh, K State in just six days, five days from this episode comes out. Yeah, jeez. But yeah, that wraps up the preview segment. If you want, or the recap segment, I should say. If you want to follow the show and get in contact with us, we are at Aggieville Cats on Twitter. That's capital A, capital A, and capital C in cats. If you want to follow us on a more personal note, I am at ACEdward00 on Twitter. I am Connor Balthazor, capital C, and capital B. And don't forget, if you really like the Aggieville Alley Cats and want to support us financially, we have a merch store with plenty of fascinating designs, as well as the limited edition original Aggie original alley cat t-shirt which will only be available until october 1st but most importantly thank you for listening to this episode of the aggieville alley cats podcast where come rain shine or anything in between we're here to deliver to you the kansas state sporting news that you so love see you later alley cats